Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oak Brook. My name is Sue Ann Campfield. I serve on staff here at the church and have the privilege of being the host of this podcast. Here at Deeper Still, we are all about cutting through the chaotic and the mundane to pay attention to what God is doing. We want to hear His voice in our lives and to go deeper still in our relationship with Him and with one another. And so as always, I am so glad that you are here with us today. I heard from so many of you about our last episode with Aubrey Sampson on Lament. Aubrey is the author of The Louder Song. I ran into a couple of you, even um, Carol at church, who said it is exactly what she needed to hear. And so if you have not listened to that episode, I would encourage you, go back, listen to it. You don't want to miss it. Today, we are going to go deeper still by talking to the award-winning author of Teach Us to Want, Keeping Place, and Surprised by Paradox, Jen Pollock-Michelle. Jen holds a BA in French from Wheaton College, an MA in Literature from Northwestern University. She is an American living in Toronto. Um, She is awesome. She is a wife and a mother of five. She is the lead editor for Imprint Magazine, published by The Grace Center for the Arts, and she is the host of the Englewood Review of Books podcast. Today, we will be talking about her new book, A Habit Called Faith, 40 Days in the Bible to Find and Follow Jesus. I'm excited about this conversation because it gets us excited to dig into the Word and establish some habits in our faith that help us grow closer to God. So wherever you are, wherever you find yourself today, saddle up, settle in, listen in as Jen and I go deeper still. Well, Jen, it is so good to have you on the show today. So good to reconnect. And I'm just so glad that you're here with us today. Well, it's so fun to be with you, Sue Ann. Thank you. Uh, Well, okay. I have a small confession to uh, make to you. When we first started this podcast, I made a wish list, kind of my dream list of people that I would like to um, interview and who could be on the show. And you were one of the first people I thought of. And I want to tell you why, because I have had the privilege of connecting with you over the years in different ministry circles and personal circles. And um, I'm such a huge fan of your writing. I know that you get told this often, but you have, you're such a gifted writer. Um, For people listening who have not read you yet, I I can't wait for them to be introduced to you maybe for the first time and get to read some of of what you have written. But you're such a beautiful writer who is so thoughtful, who has so much depth. you're a good, a gifted teacher and a speaker. But I think what I appreciate about you maybe most is that you are a thought leader. You are thoughtful when you respond to things. And I have just been thinking about this year that we have just come out of mm. <laughs> with uh, the pandemic and maybe of us still, some of us are still in uh, some hard things that have gone on this year. And I, I just think as we're going to talk about habits today and your your beautiful book, uh, A Habit Called Faith, and we're going to talk a lot about what the practices of faith look like and how we use those in our lives. But it dawned on me that one of your practices, whether you know it or not, is this ability to uh, respond thoughtfully in your work rather than to react 
to Mm. situations. And I think that's so important given today's context in so many ways. And I'm just curious, that's probably not the question you thought we were going to start off with, but would love for you to chat for a minute about um, how you have managed to do that over this last bit and, and what you've had to cultivate in yourself to be a responsive person rather than reactive. Mm. Oh, wow. I'm thankful that you would say that, Sue Ann, because I don't necessarily feel like I don't necessarily feel good at that. You know, I look around at a lot of people and I think, oh, you know, they're super thoughtful and they're responding really well. I think part of it is growing into um, maybe an acknowledgement of what it means to have the privilege to write, to write books, to you know, have the very few social media followers that I do. Um, And, you know, to just to feel like that is something to steward, that is something to be responsible for. And it's something that God has entrusted to me. And so no matter how big, how small that, you know, little platform or following is just to think like, okay, but God's given this to me. And, and I want to be faithful to that. Um, And that's, that's been hard, you know, and a lot of times, a lot of times I just feel like, you know, the work of writing, I want to just sort of sit in my office and I want to keep my head bent down and I don't want to, I just don't want to have to really maybe think about the other side um, of that page of that other person on the other side. And I think that's been an area of growth for me over the last couple of years. Um, I think that yeah, I mean, we could get super, we could get super spiritual here, but I may have done some reading on acedia, um, which is like this medieval, ancient way of talking about sloth. And it's so interesting because it's not just sloth as um, sitting on your couch, eating Doritos, you know, or whatever your, you know, junk food is of choice. It's just a refusal to do the things God's called you to do. Mm -hmm. Um, whatever it is. And so I think that over the last couple of years, I've tried to take that a little bit more seriously. I think waiting, I've tried to, I've tried to practice waiting. I don't usually respond very quickly, maybe, um, even though it feels like the world really demands that. If you don't say something fast, you know, if you don't, if you don't act with the urgency that everybody else kind of demands, then you're like behind. And I've tried to really resist that. I just don't think that you can usually respond thoughtfully if you do it quickly. Um, So usually time is involved. And I think too, you know, just honestly, where I know we're going to be talking about scripture, but really being steeped in scripture. It's just immersed in it. It's like just flowing through your blood, you know, it's, um, you know, that the last year has been more of that for me with fixed hour prayer. I've been using the divine hours, um, edited by Phyllis Tickle. It's mostly just scripture, you know, scripture through different times of the day to kind of remind our, to be reminded, to be actually called into the chorus of praise that is going Mm -hmm. on eternally, you know, timelessly. Um, So that's been really good. Like just to just have that so that I think in some ways, you know, when you think about responding to a particular maybe event or something, gosh, you know, I don't think, for example, like I don't think the prophets just like, oh my gosh, there's a famine. We better say something about this, you know, (laughs) but just to be rooted and walking with God 
so that when something comes along, it's not, oh my goodness, you know, what do I say now? It's that you've actually been cultivating a way of a view of reality. Mm. Um, I think scripture is about orienting us to the real. And that is so hard right now. We're in an upside down world. There are a lot of things that are so imitative. They're like counterfeit. Um, even like we could, we could talk about justice movements and so important, some of the conversations that we're having. But I think God calls us into an experience with the real. And mm-hmm. that's an everyday thing. It's not just, mm-hmm. you know, something happened on the news. So now I better respond to it. But anyways, that's sort of a long and rambly response, but I don't really feel good about it often. And a lot of times I don't feel like I know what to say. And I think I, sometimes I think I say it too late. Um, mm. Sometimes I think I don't say enough. Mm. Um, but then I always remember that, you know, God, he is calling me to participate with him, but he's not entirely reliant upon me. Amen to that. And thank goodness that's the truth, right? If Amen. he was entirely reliant on any of us for any any of his work. Uh, well, I thanks for taking the time to answer that question because here at Deeper Still, it's one of the things we continually call our audience to is like, mm-hmm. how do you be intentional, right? It's that call to when everyone else is rushing forward or wants to say the next thing or do the next thing that we're stopping and pausing and really paying attention to what God is saying in in us, around us, through the people around us. And, and like I said, I think you've, you have been from a distance for me as I watch you in your ministry. You have been such a good example of that. And we just spent, in season one of Deeper Still, we just spent... Um, Golly, like six months walking through the book of James, and I can't re- I can't tell you how many times we came back to that verse of let's be slow to speak and quick to listen, and what does mm-hmm. that look like, and how do we cultivate that in our lives? And so you just you probably didn't know you were speaking to all of those things, but you just spoke <laughs> to it um, so wisely and so well, and I think in a way that our listeners are really going to mm. appreciate that response. So mm. thanks for thanks for going there with me, even like I said, maybe it wasn't where you thought we we're going to start out. It's all fair game, Sue Ann. That's right. That's right. Uh, The other thing you brought up that I wanted to talk about that I appreciate about you and that comes through in everything you do, your writing, your teaching, your speaking, your interviews, even as we're having this conversation, is your deep love of scripture. Mm. And, And not just your deep love of it, but your openness and your willingness to humble yourself before it so that it can change you. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you'd take a minute to just talk about where did that love come from? Mm. I am so thankful to have been raised in a family. You know, I can think about my mom. Off, um, I mean, every day, pretty much. She was opening her Bible. And it wasn't that I was always seeing that because she was up pretty early. But I always knew it was happening. You know, the Bible was stacked, like, close by the kitchen table. I mean, it was worn. It was something that, you know, you kind of knew mattered. I can remember actually when I was young and something happened and my parents had an opportunity. They could have like sued somebody essentially because of this, this pretty gross error that somebody had made medically. And my mom, you know, said, no, you know, this is what we believe about lawsuits. And I mean, you know, we could sort of say like, 
First Corinthians, I think six, you know, is more talking about lawsuits among unbelievers, but it didn't matter. You know, it was just like this bringing in of scripture into everyday life and like, no, this matters. You know, God has things to say and they will impact what we decide, how we live our lives. So I have that example. I also was raised in just churches that really love scripture, preach the word of God. You know, it wasn't, you know, we didn't, our pastors didn't have self-help kind of messages or anything. Mm. It really was like, no, you uh, you can open the book of Daniel and you can spend <laughs> so, well, quite a bit of time there. You can camp there. I can remember, I, mean, I can really remember that. You're shaped by that. When you see mm. people kind of, assume a platform, stand behind the pulpit and, um, and open up the word of God with reverence. And I, so I feel really grateful for that. And then of course, you know, I, I had this rebellious time. Um, I, as a teenager, I was, I was one of those kids who were like, yeah, yeah, you know, all that, all that is true and super boring. And, you know, I'll come back to Jesus when I'm later, later in life, when I have to be boring anyways. Um, (laughs) And then God had other plans. And I was 16 when I would say that I really, you know, started to follow Jesus. And somebody told me at the time, you know, reading the Bible is a really important habit that you need to have. And um, so they, I just sort of dutifully believed that. And, and then I think I experienced that, you know, like where I really did experience that God could speak to you. I can remember this time when I was 16 mm-hmm. and it was sort of a lonely time. I was feeling very estranged from my former set of friends, from kind of just my former life. You know, it was a bit lonely there for a while. I remember after camp, you know, I had come to Jesus at a summer camp and um, I think it was the first time that I was seeing my friends from high school and we met at the movie theater and then I drove home alone and um, and then I just was feeling so down, so lonely, like, God, you know, this is going to be hard. I want to follow you, but like now I'm all alone. Hmm. Um And I played Bible roulette as people do that night when I got home. And literally I end up in John 16, verse 33, you know, take, um, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I will overcome the world and, or I have overcome the world. And I just remember thinking like, that is a direct word Mm -hmm. to me, like not some abstract piece of knowledge, but like God is speaking to me. And you know what he's saying? He's saying peace. He's saying, receive my peace. I am with you. And um, and that just has carried me. I mean, I think that's why I stick with the Bible. Um, I mean, of course, you know, I have my own seasons of times where it feels, you know, a little bit more or less dry, more or less relevant and real. Sometimes God, for sure, even for me, can feel distant and remote. But then there are those mornings, you know, and you just have the habit and you just keep, you keep with it. And, and then those mornings where you find yourself, you know, really, maybe you're struggling with a relationship. We talked about how parenting, we, before we got on here, parenting is not for the faint of heart. You know, and I feel like when I'm carrying those kinds of burdens, I just don't, I feel like I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And then something, you know, from scripture will speak to me and it'll, and, it, and honestly, it's always the kind of the most basic stuff too. I don't think we graduate from needing just the word from God that's like peace, you know, receive my peace. I am with you. 
you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And Psalms, constantly being reminded, you incline your ear to me, you hear me cry, you do not forsake, you do not leave, you know, your friends, and you've made us your friends through Christ. So uh, it sounds so self, um, self, I guess, I don't know, consult like it is it's sort of it sounds selfish maybe like gosh and i and i don't want to say that i don't go to scripture and don't gain a bigger sense of who god is i do and a sense of his purpose the purposes that he's you know achieving in the world but i think also very selfishly i just i experience his friendship through scripture Mm. That's really beautiful, actually, because I think a lot of people, you know, they go to the Bible for information, right? Sometimes we go because we want to learn, we want to study. And I think there's different people who go to the Bible for different things. It's, you know, what can I get out of this? And, and I think sometimes that intellectual piece, if we only look at it for that, um, we fall short. If we only look at it for the personal application, I think, again, we fall short. But it's kind of this combination of, mm-hmm. of things as we approach the scripture. And it's like amazing what God does. It doesn't matter how we approach it, actually. Um, <laughs> God, you know, now that I'm saying that, uh, you know, God and His grace, it's like the word is living and active. And, and I, I think when we tell each other that and remind each other that it helps bring the scripture alive even more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that you talk about this idea of habits, even your mom having a habit of reading the Bible. And it wasn't like your mom was necessarily sitting down with you and saying, you should read this. You mm-hmm. were watching him, her. She was mm-hmm. modeling something to you. And of course, your book is all about habits. It's about this practice of faith. And I imagine that everyone listening like we get this idea of habits. We all have habits of some sort. We have habits, you know, routines throughout our day, habit of what time we get up in the morning or what we eat or maybe uh, our exercise routine. And so I think that's pretty easy for us to understand. But I wonder if we think about it in our faith. And I love that you emphasize this idea that habits aren't just about thinking your way into faith. Again, it's not this intellectual ascent but it's actually practicing your way into faith. And you say this encouragement, you say, let habit take you by the hand and lead you to God. Mm. Can you Mm -hmm. share a little bit more? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I can even think of just some recent research that I've been doing for another project. And um, it was talking about patients with dementia and what's called body memory. So that when you, um, you know, a patient with dementia who um, isn't able, for example, to maybe recall the words of a song, you know, wouldn't even really be able to hold a very coherent, intelligible conversation. But this particular person was saying that, you know, sometimes you can get those people singing hymns that they learned when they were children, like somewhere deep in their bodies, beyond their minds and their brains is inscribed you know, uh, th- these truths, you know, of the faith. And I and I think about habit as kind of contributing to that kind of body memory um, where, you know, and, and which is such an important part of just how we live. You know, we tend to think of ourselves, as we have already said, you know, very intellectually, like we are our brains, you know, we are 
what we think. Um, and of course, that has, you know, that's the enlightenment, enlightenment sort of speaking to us. But habit is inviting us to kind of consider more than just belief. Faith is more than belief, more than the, just the ideas that you stuff inside your head. But it's the things you can even be doing with your body. It's the rhythms and the routines, the motions of even, for example, going to church. And I think about last week was the first time that we have actually sat in our church in 15 months. Mm. Um and, you know, my body knows what to do in church. It does. Like, and at the same time, I think there's maybe a relearning that is going to have to happen, you know, after 15 months. Like we've we've cultivated the habit of um, watching church in our pajamas, you know, and not having to get into our car and it being sort of easy. But I think it's encouraging for people to think about habit in relationship to faith. Um, because for, well, for, for, for some people, belief is really hard. They struggle with doubt. They, they kind of, they, if belief means, if faith means I got to stuff my head with all of these beliefs that I never doubt, you know, some people think, well, I just, I guess I just can't have faith because Hmm. I don't know if I could believe that strongly, that certainly, that infallibly. And I think too, you know, for uh, habit can be encouraging for people who think about faith as feeling, you know, well, I'm close to God so long as I feel close to God, so long as, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I experience his presence and his nearness. And again, habit, I mean, to go back to that habit of reading scripture, like I've had that habit for decades and it's weathered seasons of feeling close to God, of not feeling close to God. But the interesting thing, like, you know, you got to have the habit to ever have those moments, you know, <laughs> um, you got to kind of climb the mountain every day and, and then, you know, hope that, you know, and some days God passes by in a whisper and you're not paying any attention, you know, but sometimes you are. And so I think it's an encouraging um, way to look at faith because it's, it doesn't, you don't have to be super clever to have good habits. Um, you don't have to be really smart. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to be emotionally attuned in any particular way. Like you just have to be committed to these like small everyday ordinary practices and rhythms. And, and it's okay to fail those too, because then you can just get up the next day and try again. That's right. That's right. It's funny. My, um, so my daughter, I mentioned, she just got home from her freshman year in college. And, um, you know, she's been home for, I don't know, a month. And she said, just this week, she said, Mom, I got to start working out again. So I'm going to, I'm going to start working out. And I said, okay, well, and I, I have a pretty good exercise routine in my life. And so I'm always trying to um, impel the people in my life that live in my household to. <laughs> Have a good routine, right? Have a good, it's got to be a habit. And so she's like, okay, mom, I'm going to every day for the next, you know, 21 days, uh, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. and work out for one hour. And I said, Sadie, that's not going to happen, right? Like you will fail because that's not a sustainable habit. That That is not something that you can build into your team that you can be successful at. And so we just literally had this conversation yesterday morning. And I think that it just reminds me, even as I was preparing for our conversation today, it's like those ideas of habit 
of doing something sustainable, doing something that actually works in our lives. Because I think sometimes, especially when it comes to Bible reading and our scripture, we think I have to get up at 6 a.m. and have my quiet time and it has to look like this. And, you know, I, I remember as a young mom and even listening, especially to young moms that say, gosh, I can't do that. And so I feel so guilty because I'm not mm-hmm. doing it right. And and so it's like you have to have a habit that's sustainable that you can actually have some success at <laughs> so mm-hmm. that it encourages you to keep going, that when you miss that day and you oversleep, that you don't get your workout in, whatever it may be, that then you just say, okay, well, didn't do it today, but I'm going to get up tomorrow and, and do it again. And all of these practices that we can do to develop those habits that that help us show up. Mm. You know, like sometimes we just got to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so true. I mean, I can even think like I've been trying to actually when I'm problem solving something like Mm. just instead of thinking about like, what's the like, once and for all quick fix on this, like, okay, what's one habit that I could engage that might kind of chip away at it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just really helpful. You know, I think about it in terms of some relationships that, um, that maybe are going through a hard season, or I mean, honestly, you can even think about marriage, like, I'll just be really honest and say that marriage requires good habits. Um, And if we always just sort of waited for um, I mean, you know, marriage is built on the daily things, like mm-hmm. the daily sort of incremental things. And so I think, you know, we really as human beings, we love to just sort of like have everything sort of change cosmically, like with the snap of our fingers. <laughs> I no, mean, do I, I know. <laughs> I really want that. And, you know, technology, I think, really shapes that desire in us. Like as yes. things get easier and easier, as you know, I don't even have to, you know, stand up to put anything on my grocery list, right? I just call out to Alexa. She puts it on my grocery list. She turns on my (laughs) lights, you know, I stand inside my house and turn on my car. Like all of these, these ways that we move through the world in a technological world become easier and easier. And we experience a lot less friction physically. Mm -hmm. And so I think we import those expectations into every area of life. Well, my marriage should be easy and that friendship should be easy and work should be easy and my spirit life should be easy. And then when things aren't easy, or maybe when they when when we, you know, experience a, a bump or a particular kind of problem, we look for that like once and done solution. And I think habit is a category of faithfulness. I really do think so. I was, I actually was telling my son that because I've had to encourage my children into new habits during the pandemic. <laughs> like, like, now that you're home all the time, I will hand off to you the emptying of the dishwasher. And so this was to one of my youngest sons. I have twins that are the youngest. And, you know, like you can do something for a couple days and it's fine and maybe a week. But like you get to that like fifth week of unloading the dishwasher and you're like, are you serious? I, I have to literally do this every morning. Mm. And I and, you know, he kind of met that moment. And I said, you know, this is this is what faithfulness actually does feel like. Like you got to do it on the fifth day and the fifth week and the fifth month. And not to say that it's hard in the sense that, you know, if Jesus has this like kind of mysterious, I don't know, it's such a paradox. It really is Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a yoke and it's going to be light, a burden and a yoke that will be easy and a burden that will be light. And so the yoke and the burden sort of signal, yeah, there are things to carry 
And yet, of course, we have the Holy Spirit with us and Jesus in us, and um, we're relying on His strength and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as if the spiritual life is just all this like ugh, drudgery. Like it's not emptying the dishwasher, <laughs> but maybe it's you know discovering that emptying the dishwasher is a means to joy. I mm-hmm. mean, you know. Yeah, I'm still waiting to experience that. <laughs> when other people yeah. unload it. <laughs> That's right. When other people unload it, it definitely is an act of joy. Uh, I love, well, this idea of faithfulness, you know, I love that you brought that up because it is so true. We live in this culture where we want things to be fast and, and you know, we expect success sometimes, especially maybe our younger generations. They, you know, everyone can be a YouTube sensation overnight kind of thing. And this idea of faithfulness is one that we probably don't talk about it enough. Um, what do you think are some of those tangible benefits when we develop these habits, when we're faithful, when we show up? What do you see as the um, outcome of that in our faith life? Mm. You know, I think I think we see, I think we do meet God as we try, you know, however clumsily to, to obey him. You know, I mean, Mm. that's actually one of the words in a habit called faith, you know, this like principle of just obedience, like that obedience is actually a means to life, um, which I think is one of those um, often sort of overlooked principles um, in scripture that, um, you know, Moses, you know, was telling the people of Israel before they entered the promised land, I want you to hear these words that God's giving you. I want you to heed them. And I want you to know that they are a means to life. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about faithfulness as that kind of response of obedience, um, it is your life. Like God's leading you always into good places, um, which doesn't mean easy, you know, and it doesn't mean good in the sense that we always think of good. But, um, you know, I think about, you know, I think about C.S. Lewis, like even that quote where he talks about like how restless we are as human beings. We're constantly trying to satisfy our desires with things that like never satisfy, you know, like Mm -hmm. our heart is like a sieve, you know, and so we fill it with more and more things like, well, if I try this new relationship, or if I buy this new thing, or if I take that vacation, or if I get that next promotion, like, I'll, I'll feel satisfied, I'll feel, I'll feel filled up, I'll feel Mm -hmm. like my life has meaning. And, you know, the way of Jesus is so upside down from that. Um, And so faithfulness is like taking Jesus at his word that, you know, you will find your life as you lose it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, because faithfulness can lead you into tough things, can lead you to stick with, you know, a difficult marriage sometimes. Mm -hmm. It could lead you to stay in a church and work toward um, resolving conflict when what you really want to do is like run away. Faithfulness, like we were talking about earlier, when, um, you feel that God's asking you to speak a hard and maybe prophetic word. And what you really want to do is hide in your house and not mm-hmm. like ruffle any feathers. Um, so faithfulness can lead you into some of those like maybe uncomfortable situations, but man, that's where we discover that God, um, his presence is with us. His power is in us. We discover like new levels of dependence on him. Mm-hmm. And I do think we experience joy. I mean, I don't like, so the crazy, I talked about acedia earlier. 
this has been like my little like shtick of the pandemic is like because well and I'm pretending I know you said it earlier I'm pretending like I've heard that word before like I know what it means as you're saying (laughs) yeah uh yeah yeah (laughs) well um acedia is so I you here's a book that I was reading glittering vices um it talks about like the seven deadly sins and so acedia is is sloth. Um, and it's kind of like been on some list of the sins and then it's gotten off of the list. And, um, but one of the things that like people talk about that when you, so acedia is about refusing to do the things God's called you to do or to be Mm -hmm. who God's called you to be. It's like, everybody has a vocation. Everybody has a calling. Um, and acedia is like, I don't really want to be bothered with that. Or I don't, um, or that feels too big, and so I'll run from that. And so acedia is, I think, like a, a um, sometimes when we refuse risk, um, mm. refuse dependence, refuse faithfulness. But interestingly, another writer has said that it's a refusal of joy. Because mm. when you respond to the things that God has for you, like, and if those are a means of life, to refuse that is actually to refuse your own joy. Mm. And I think of that as so beautiful. Like, I mean, imagine that God has bigger things, bigger, not in the sense of like better, more joyful things than, than I really have planned for myself. Mm. Um, it's like, again, C.S. Lewis, like you make mud pies on the beach, you know, and God's <laughs> like, gosh, okay, well, I mean, if that's your idea of fun, but I could get you doing some really cool things. Um, So yeah, faithfulness and joy, those being tied together. Well, and I think they are tied together because it's our habits that we develop in our faith. It's it's those practices. We practice our faith. So when we go through those times where it feels rote, when we, you know, you have this great line where you say there is kneeling that isn't prayer. There is singing that isn't praise. Mm -hmm. And we've all been in that place where we're standing in church and, you know, there's this amazing song about God's goodness and his grace. And we're just like, the words are coming out of our mouth, but it's like, we feel nothing inside. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's the habit, right? Those habits of faith when we don't feel like being faithful and that, but we we choose to be faithful that I think then allows us to experience and to see God in those places when we finally can see Him or experience Him in those ways that bring joy. Mm-hmm. But but you, can, I don't think you can have one without the other. Hmm. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people will talk about habit formation, like it is really this like self perpetuating cycle, the hardest thing is to get started. But when you start to experience the reward of habit, then you just keep practicing it, the reward just kind of fuels the desire. And so I think a lot of times, like in our spiritual lives, we wait on the desire, we think, well, you know, as soon as I have the desire, I'll practice the habit because maybe we feel that will be most authentic. But man, you know, sometimes you stand in church, you could be standing there for weeks and months and praying and singing and you don't feel it. But but that habit creates an opportunity for that desire to sort of fill in, you know, yes. when 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 God deems it so. I yes. don't know why he always takes us through. I mean, it seems like every Christian experiences seasons of wilderness. Um, Yeah. 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 It's part of our human experience, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's part of not only our faithfulness to God, but watching him be faithful then. 
um, to us, which is you, uh, I want to talk about the book a little bit more because I'm getting ahead of myself, but Deuteronomy that you use to shape your, at least half of your book is this story of God's people, um, you know, it reminds us of the story of people being in the wilderness and God mm-hmm. being faithful, even when people are not. And I think mm-hmm. that's the thing that we also need to continually remember is that it's our, our faithfulness is important as, as, you know, Dallas Willard says, grace is not opposed to effort and, and our effort is important. Um, but at the same time, it's God who loved us first. You know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so mm-hmm. his faithfulness is is what carries us through those those times. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Hey, let's talk about the book because I okay. want people, like I said, you really are one of my favorite writers. You are such a beautiful and wise writer. I read some of your words and I think, oh, I would love to come up with that phrase. Like um, <laughs> I have writer envy when I read you. And so I want people to pick up this book because it's so good and because I think it will help them develop um, some of these habits that we're talking about. And so uh, one of the things that makes the book really practical is the way that it's organized. And it's divided into 40 daily readings. Um, and I'm curious why you chose 40 daily readings and what does that consist of? If someone were to pick up your book, what are they going to encounter? Mm-hmm. Well, 40 felt like kind of a biblical number, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> like, you know, Jesus was 40 days being tempted in the wilderness. Israel was 40 years in the wilderness. And Moses was 40 days on the top of Mount Sinai we, uh, receiving the commands of God, um, the Ten Commandments. So I was like, well, 40 sounds like a good number. And it actually is a kind of, it is a good number. It's not a magic number for habit formation, um, but it gives you enough time. You're probably not going to form the habit of Bible reading if you just do it for like a week. Um, mm-hmm. 40 days is a, is a good amount of time. Again, there's not really a specific number. Most people that have done a lot of habit research say it really is like not how long it takes to form a habit, but just how many times, just that constant repetition. Mm-hmm. So when people pick up the book, they're going to find, yeah, a, a chapter that's assigned to them um, to read. And then the reflection that I wrote on that chapter, but I also sort of recognize that's going to be way too much reading for some people. They're not going to read an entire chapter of scripture. So then I gave them a selected passage. If you only had time to read maybe five to seven verses, read these. And then there's also a key verse. So like, even if you didn't ha- have time to read the five or seven, five to seven mm-hmm. verses, you could read the key verse. And, you know, for me, it really was, I was trying to make it, um, accessible. You know, I was trying to say, okay, what if if people are really just starting from like ground zero in terms of having a habit of reading scripture, um, what might help them? And so Mm -hmm. it felt like there was a little bit of scaffolding there. And then at the end, there are a couple of reflection questions for every daily reading so that people can, again, like how we were talking about, not just get hung up on, okay, so what information was I supposed to master as I read that? But more like a heart question. Of like, okay, how does this hit you as you think about God calling you to gratitude, for example? You know, like, how have you seen his faithfulness in your life? Um, 
what what could you name about God's goodness to you? I, that's I'm making up that question, but it's of, of that genre of question. Yeah, well, your reflection questions are great. And I know we have a lot of people listening who are in small groups and are always looking for good resources to do in small groups. And I, what I love about your reflection questions also is it reminds us, and you touched on this earlier, that our habit of faith is not just an individual habit, that there yeah. is this communal habit. There is a corporate habit to it. Um, and being with it in community to talk about what God is doing in your life is an important piece of that. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that's something that you have done with other people. You've invited them into conversations about faith. It, um, I'm sure you've used this book or maybe encouraged other people to use this book in that way. Um, and I think it invites us into, not only does it invite us into relationship with one another, but um, it invites us into the story of God. You know, mm-hmm. uh, this book, I, I don't know if you call this book a devotional. I would not call it a devotional just because maybe I have a, oh, this is a confession. I have a little adverse uh, reaction to devotionals. They're, everyone's like, do you have any good devotionals you're reading? And I'm like, I don't really do devotionals because <laughs> I usually find them kind of fluffy, kind of like they're telling me what to think. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I like about this book is that you are guiding us through scripture. I feel like you are teaching me. It's almost kind of a little bit of commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, but in doing that, you're inviting me into the narrative of scripture. And mm-hmm. I absolutely love that about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we, we really did struggle a lot with the word like devotional because for some people, devotional means, oh, just like a regular daily reading. Um, and it fits that bill. But then for other people, and I would include myself as someone like you who feels like devotional sort of means like, oh, it's a really short kind of like um, inspirational reflection, which this isn't really, you know, this Mm -hmm. isn't like your rah-rah, send you into the day and God is with you. Um, But really like trying to piece together this this story that the Bible is telling, the one story of Jesus and the yes. one story of grace. That actually mm. is, is so fun to get to the end of Deuteronomy and you just see how perfectly it leads into John um, because it ends on a blessing for Israel. And, you know, interesting, a lot of times people think, well, and I've definitely heard that reaction like Deuteronomy, oh my goodness, like that sounds like a scary book or I don't really know much about that book. And, whoa, you know, is that the most relevant to my faith? And when I was working on the project, I had a friend from my church who, well, she wasn't actually a friend yet, um, a new, not even yet a new believer, just a spiritual kind of seeker who was coming to our church and really did want to know more about the Bible. And our pastor had connected us. And and I said, well, I am happy to go through the book of Deuteronomy with you right now, because that's what I'm actually reading and studying. <laughs> and that's where she started. Never wow. picked up the Bible ever. And she started in Deuteronomy. And probably by about like chapter four or five, she was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> because if you come to scripture with certain expectations about God, I think she was probably one of those people who was like, yeah, God like baptizes all of your choices is good. Like he just, you know, mm. celebrates you. And he's like, he is like literally like he, he develops self-esteem psychology. Like he just wants you to feel good about yourself. Um, you know, and never, he'll never say anything hard or scripture will never like 
yeah, confront you in a way that might be uncomfortable. And so she definitely had that hurdle to cross. Mm. Um, but it helped because like I was with her and there were two other women actually in our study. So we, we were just like, just keep at it. Just, and where, and how do you see God? And I can even think about early in Deuteronomy when Moses, like he doesn't, God's like, I'm not listening to your prayer. You're not getting into the promised land. Stop asking. And I can remember that being a particular discussion. I was like, oh, that seems so harsh. You know, why God, Moses was like pretty, he was a pretty faithful guy. Like, yeah, he did, you know, he didn't hit the rock when God said to speak to it instead. But like, that's kind of a minor infraction, right? Mm-hmm. And he's not getting into the land. And we talked about like really how generous it was though like how it is possible that even humans can talk to god that Mm. that even is an expression of god's grace that we can Mm. that prayer is even possible and moses kind of felt like he could just you know come right into god's presence and say listen i really want to get into the promised land like he Mm. he obviously felt he could do that he had that prerogative and privilege so yeah, it's been kind of fun to, to help people sort of get into a new book of the Bible, maybe a yes. more unfamiliar book, and to discover, oh, it actually is really telling the same story as the New Testament. Yes, yes. Well, and you you spend the first half of the book talking about Deuteronomy, and then you switch to the book of John. And I, I think, um, which people are probably more familiar with, some people are going to say, oh, okay, Good. Okay. I can, they're taking a breath like, whoo, I don't have to do all Deuteronomy. We got John. I know John. Um, Tell us why you paired these two books of the Bible together. Not by my own cleverness and really not even by my own like inkling or desire. Cause I mean, I wouldn't definitely say, you know, if I were just choosing two books of the Bible, one from the old, one from the new that I love, I would have chosen Genesis and I would have chosen Mark as my favorite gospel. (laughs) But I happen to be studying John for a speaking engagement, and just in studying some of the farewell discourse, John 13 through 17, um, some of the commentators were saying there are a lot of parallels here with Deuteronomy. Jesus is, he's essentially giving a farewell discourse. He's saying goodbye to his disciples in the same way that Moses is saying goodbye to the people of Israel throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Moses is giving the people of Israel a law, you know, and, and or he's really sort of re- rehearsing the law that's already been given and jesus is giving his disciples a law you know this new command that i give you love one another um that's how the world's gonna know that that i've loved you i've loved you and loved the world um and then these five words that sort you can sort of see in those four chapters of john and in deuteronomy see love live know and obey um Mm. so that just really like started the wheels turning in my head like oh my goodness I wonder I wonder what it would be like to pair these two books and see how they sort of speak to each other and it's almost like echoes you know I think that's what happens in scripture we have all these different books we have all these different human authors but we have the holy spirit really authoring scripture so it means like you could be in one part of the bible but like you can hear all these echoes and resonances of other parts of the bible and that was pretty cool especially like you think of deuteronomy and the word is so important in deuteronomy um these words actually deuteronomy the hebrew title means these are the words um it's not Deuteronomy, it's Devarim, I guess. And and then you get to John chapter one, and it's like, this is the word. So even those kinds of things that you can start to see, not that, you know, not that John, I don't know if the gospel writer, you know, John and, I, you know, the author, 
of Deuteronomy, the editors of Deuteronomy, not that they were intending all of those resonances, but just through the power of the Holy Spirit, I think, I think those come to life. Yes. Yeah. Well, and even as you're talking about this, it's just such a good reminder of why. And now I know there's a lot of different habits that we can do and we're focused on scripture right now. Um, but just even this reminder of how the word of God comes alive. When we show up to it, we bring our whole selves to the text. We, no matter if we're having a good day or a bad day or whatever, when we practice that habit of opening our Bible and entering into God's story, you mm-hmm. know, I think sometimes we think, okay, I'm going to read this and check this off my list, but you know, you're actually entering into the story of God and God and his mystery and his grace and his just all this stuff about him that we don't understand. He pulls out things like Deuteronomy and John and says, this is the word, you know, and uh-huh. he matches these things together. And I think, you know, when we start as believers having these little epiphanies that God does this in his story, it pulls us deeper into the story. It makes us want mm-hmm. more of the story. And I, I, I just think that's such a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. That, mm-hmm. It's such a gift that God gives us. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I think sometimes you are with passages of scripture that you have to sit with, you know, that God, it doesn't maybe just immediately jump out to you, but then, um, and Deuteronomy was certainly that like in some ways. Um, but then there are these other passages, like my favorite, one of my favorite passages from Deuteronomy, I can never remember which chapter it is, maybe chapter 30 It's towards the end. And I was reading a particular, um, translation that was super poetic. It's actually a Hebrew scholar who, who does a lot with poetry as well, not a Christian. Um, and the, the verse was, and this is sort of like the rhetorical question of Deuteronomy. Did God act ruinously? Like things mm-hmm. are falling apart. Did God act ruinously? And I love that word ruinously because it's like ruin, you know, you sort of see the ruin that really results because of sin when we turn away from God. Did God act ruinously? No, his son's the fault (laughs) is how it's rendered in this one translation. And it's like, gosh, you can't, you really can't get around human sin in Deuteronomy that, that, you know, the people, God keeps saying, take my blessing, take it. Mm -hmm. And the people of Israel are like, yeah, we will. And then no, then they never do. (laughs) (laughs) And then, God, like you said, his faithfulness is still given to them, apparent to them. Yes, yes. Well, and you even say Moses' last words, and I, I can't remember exactly now. I didn't write it down as I'm reading your book. What did you say his, his last words um, to his people are? Uh, be ha- uh, happy. What is it? Yeah. The, <laughs> the word happy, isn't it? The blessing. Yeah. The blessing. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's a crazy thing to get to the yeah. end of Deuteronomy, and especially like, there are a lot of all these chapters with blessings and curses, and Moses is essentially told Israel, you know, you preach all these sermons, and they are not gonna have, they're not gonna, they're gonna forget every word that you've ever preached to them. They are gonna turn their backs on what you've said, on what I've said, on, on and they're gonna lose the land. Um, so you think, well, I guess the final word of Deuteronomy will be a curse. Like, cursed are you people of God because, you know, you didn't listen because you, you know, forsook your God. 
And instead, it's a blessing. And, mm-hmm. you know, happy are the people of Israel, I think is, yeah, essentially how it's translated there as Moses is talking to them. And I think, you know, it leaves you with this like huge question mark. What? Happy are the people of Israel? So you know that there's got to be like, this is not the end of the story. Something yes. more is to come. And that's why it's just such a beautiful bridge right into John. Yes, yes. Well, thanks for going theological with me. We we tend to do that a little bit here. We get <laughs> we get kind of excited. That's part of our deeper still. We get a little excited to dig into. So I know we're supposed to be talking about habits, and we're talking about <laughs> Moses' last words to <laughs> Israel. But uh, we get excited about that stuff. It's okay. Um, so here's a question bringing us back to habits, and we're about out of time, so we're going to wrap it up here. But um, you know, one of the, I think it might be the very first reflection question that you ask in the book is what's one practical way you can cultivate the habit of listening to God in mm. your life? And I'm just thinking about people who are listening today and thinking, you know what, I, I want to do that or I've tried to do it or, you know, I'm so busy, I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to start. What would your encouragement be to those today that want to start developing this habit of faith with God and just don't know where to start? Mm. I love the story of little Samuel in the temple. Um, And the first time God calls his name, he doesn't recognize God's voice. And it takes three times. And Eli the priest finally says to him, okay, next time God calls, you say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And I think that is a really easy prayer to pray. Mm-hmm. And at some point in the day, I think I almost wonder for most of us if the habit that is going to be hardest is to create some, to just take some pocket of the day that is quiet and undistracted. Like we live such distracted lives. I really do think it's possible for everybody. I think you could be a young mom and you could find a pocket of the day where instead of reaching for your phone, and maybe you don't even know yet to reach for your Bible. You're like, I just, I don't know, that feels really big. You know, maybe you could just say, speak Lord for your servant hears. And even that prayer has this way of like orienting us differently, like to say that we are the Lord's servants, that our time is not our own, that our days are not our own, that our hours are not our own. Um, And so there's something reorienting about that. And just, and there's also faith that's involved in saying, speak, Lord, Mm -hmm. you're speaking, God. I believe that, that you are personal and that you're that one expression of your love is that you would speak to us. I mean, you think about how hard it is when people are angry with you and they refuse to speak to you. There's almost like nothing that's worse. Or you're like, we could just resolve this, but you can't. You got to pick up your phone, you know, <laughs> or you got to answer my text. Um, God is never so angry, like that he doesn't speak. Um, so there's just, I feel like there's all this faith in that little prayer and then and maybe it's just where is just a pocket of your day a a really tiny it could be five minutes it could it could actually be you're standing at your sink and your your hands are in the dishwater um but instead of like throwing in your airpods and listening to this podcast, which is wonderful, (laughs) you know, don't give up deeper still, but give up another podcast. (laughs) Um, But you know, you, you, you just create a moment, you just seize a moment. 
and you believe that God is speaking. And it's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, he is speaking. It's just, did we, ter- did we turn the dial, you know, um, yes. to listen? And of course, I think um, you should creating the conditions of quiet, of undistraction, even for a very, very teeny moment, praying with faith that God would speak to you. And I do think scriptures could be a really helpful um, companion because that is where God does a lot of his speaking. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. to start in the Psalms. That's always such a beautiful place to start. Mm, yeah, and there's so many resources out there now mm-hmm. that uh, I'll mention at the end of the podcast that people can go to and find that are it's so easy and accessible now. And so it's just like, you know, sometimes we just need to take that first step. It's like we mm-hmm. need to just show up, you know, yeah. just show up and do what you can and then watch God work. This this cultivating this practice, this habit of faith is not all on us. That when we say speak God, yes. you know, we are listening. Sometimes you just sit back and watch God work, you know, by by showing up and being faithful. So mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. Well, Jen, I so appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today to just talk about what it looks like to cultivate um, some of these practices in our life, these habits that uh, bring us closer to God. You are wise. You are awesome. We are so thankful that you chose to be here with us today. So thanks so much for your time. Sue Ann, it was really a fun conversation. Thank you. Well, friends, I hope you have enjoyed this conversation as we have considered together what it means to develop this habit called faith in our own lives. I hope you have found some practical tips and some theological handles to hold on to as you go deeper still in your relationship with Christ. You can find A Habit Called Faith, 40 Days in the Bible to Find and Follow Jesus by Jen on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. And I would encourage you just to learn a little bit more about Jen, her previous books, which are all amazing, and maybe connect with her on social media, you can go to her website, Jen Pollock Michelle, that's P-O-L-L-O-C-K-M-I-C-H-E-L.com, and even email her there and let her know how much you enjoyed this conversation today. We also are, are always encouraging you to dig into your Bible, and there are so many great resources today that will help you do that. A, a couple of my personal favorite, of course, the YouVersion app you can download on your phone has all kinds of Bible reading plans. She Reads Truth, also an app. Um, love the way that they dig into scripture and set up their reading plans. I would encourage you to check that out. Pray As You Go is also a great one, as well as Lectio 365. I know uh, some of you out there enjoy that one. So just these little things that we can do to uh, insert into our lives that will help us, again, develop these habits and practices of faith. So make sure you do, again, just take one step in that direction and, and do that. You will not be sorry. As always, thanks for listening to Today. Be sure to subscribe to Deeper Still on your favorite podcast platform. Share this episode or any episode of Deeper Still with a friend. Invite them into the conversation and be sure to follow at Christchurch Women on Instagram and Facebook. We will see you back here in a couple of weeks with um, a familiar face to many of you. I should say a familiar voice. Uh, pastor, author Adele Calhoun will be joining us for the next episode. So be be sure to stop back. Until then, friends, go in God's grace and have a great day. Mm-hmm.